Hi, I'm Mandy. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to the podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on Spotify. Join us each Sunday at 1030 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Today is a special day that we honor and celebrate uh, mothers, but really we celebrate ladies uh, in our lives that have made an impact and a difference. And I know one thing is true for every guy standing in this room. You have had more than one woman that has shaped and molded and made you who you are today. So I think it's appropriate today, men, that we give a standing ovation for the ladies and women in our life. Don't you want to applaud this morning and give thanks? (laughs) That's awesome. All right, you can be seated, just like first service. No one wanted to be the first one to stop applauding. They're looking around like, who's, I don't want to be, okay. Happy Mother's Day, though. We're super glad you're here. And also recognize, uh, for some of us in the room, today's a hard day. And so I just want to thank you for showing up today, if that's you today. And for whatever reason, this day brings us some pain, um, some heartache for you. Thanks for showing up anyway and believing that God has something to share with us today, because I believe he does. I want to begin with uh, what I think is a powerful image illustration that I couldn't get past this week. I don't know if you realize that today in the world, um, there are uh, more than 50 million people enslaved. That's shocking to some of us, to me. In fact, statistics say there are actually more people today enslaved than there ever has been in human history. It shocks me. (laughs) It opens my eyes to the world around us and many of the things that we take for granted. But I want you to imagine someone uh, enslaved. They uh, don't have many of the rights and privileges we have. Someone else owns them, is responsible for what they do, when they do it. And I want you to imagine uh, that they are set free from that kind of life, that they no longer have to be in slavery anymore, and they're free. But by their own choice... They decide that, you know, really that life was better for me. It was better that way. And on their own, they return to a life of slavery. That's a profound image for some of us, one that would be puzzling. And the reason I share that with you today is because I think it's an image that relates very much to our final week in our series. And we'll come back to that image in just a moment. We're finishing up our series today called More Than Me. And it's a series that began uh, the week of Easter and has carried through. And what we believe is the power of God has more life for you and more hope for you and more purpose for you than you can have on your own. That this life is more than me. It's more than what I can do on my own. It's more than what I can accomplish. And you can accomplish great things. And you are gifted and talented and incredible people, but it is ultimately, if it's just about you and what you can do, it is not enough. And this morning, we're going to close out this series turning to this kind of visual, this idea that through Christ, through his power at work in us, we have more freedom than we could ever have on our own. I have another visual this morning. I began ministry here to middle school students, which means a couple things. It means I never stand still means I talk loud, and I love object lessons. So I have one over here. It's going to take me a minute to grab it. But this is a yoke. <laughs> Not to your eggs. I know some of you only thought that. But um, I, this week, I, I was wanting to find one of these for an illustration. I called my friend Tony. 
And uh, Tony's one of these guys that can just find things. And by the end of the day, he had one. And he's like, it's 350 years old. So I cannot drop this or I'm in big trouble with a lot of people. But this is, seriously, from the 1700s, a real yoke. It was really used for that purpose. And you say, well, what is a yoke? Many, many years ago, of course, this was a tool that they used in hooking two animals together, right? Around their neck, they would harness the strength of two animals together. And, of course, with two uh, combined, they could accomplish way more. Uh, they could harness their energy and power, whether it be plowing the field or whatever they would need to do. And so this is a visual and an image that comes up in Scripture many, many times uh, because the New Testament in particular was written amidst a people that were very familiar with farming, that were very familiar with, um, with, with this kind of imagery. And so uh, many times in Scripture, we're told a man and a woman that as we enter into marriage, that we are to be equally yoked. Why can you imagine putting this around an ox and then a donkey? It would be like, you know, and it doesn't work well. It doesn't accomplish the purpose. You don't get the maximum impact. There's a lot of frustration there. So we're told even in a relationship, there should be equal yoke. There should be an equal amount on both sides of doing the work and the ownership. And Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 11 said this. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're going to attach yourself to me, Jesus said, if you're going to harness in with me, if you're going to get the yoke wrapped around you, man, my yoke, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's a powerful illustration. And we're going to begin this morning we're going to begin in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, with another powerful illustration of this idea of what it means to be yoked. So if you would turn there in your New Testament scripture, Galatians 5. Uh, we've been throughout this series talking about Paul. He was an apostle. His purpose, we talked about last week, was radically changed. He was living in opposition to the gospel, in opposition to everything that Jesus Christ stood for. And his life was radically changed, and his purpose was radically changed. And so we're reading today a letter that he wrote to the church in Galatia. And he's writing, he's admonishing them, he's encouraging them. And in Galatians 5, verse 1, he speaks some powerful words that are relevant, not just to them then, but to us today. And it says this, Galatians 5, verse 1, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I'm going to read that one more time. He says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You see, Paul understood that it's more than me. The problem with me is this, that me is sin, is sin. It's not just sin, the acts of sin, the wrong things I've done, but this nature of sin that we're born with, that we're born with this nature bent towards me, me, me. Like, I don't have to sit my kids down and say, be selfish, you know? Like, it's just, it's, it's our nature. Because of the fall, back in Genesis chapter 1, we read that, that because of that moment, that the sin entered the world. And so we are born with this nature bent towards me. And what Paul is saying is that once you were yoked, you were in bondage to sin, to a life that led to destruction. But that is not who you are anymore. And because of that, you are free. And you are free. But in your freedom, be careful that you do not return to a yoke of slavery. Be careful that you do not return into this uh, area of bondage where you are again partnered with sin. Stand firm then. 
and do not return again to a yoke of slavery. Now, I'm going to put this away because I'll knock it off and break it in front of all of you, and it would be a terrible moment to see me cry in front of you. Uh, but, but I want you to keep that visual in mind this morning as you think about that. And now we're going to turn to the next four verses of Galatians 5. And as we do, I want to set it up this way, that there's a group of people, a group of people that felt like they were preaching that in order to receive salvation from God, in order to be saved, that you had to become like the Jews, not just in belief, but in custom and in practice. And this group of people called the Judaizers, literally what they would teach is that you have faith in Jesus and you're Gentile, you're not Jewish, that's great, but now you have to follow through, check the boxes, all of these customs now to become like the Jews in order to be saved. And so what we're about to read here is culturally an incredible example that Paul's going to give, and it's going to take a little bit of unpacking for us. But with that in mind, we're going to look now. I'm going to read verse 1 again, and now we're going to read through verse 5 of Galatians chapter 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Verse 2, mark my words, I, Paul, tell you, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will have no value to you at all. Again, I declare that every man who lets himself be circumcised, that he's obligated to obey the whole law. You are trying to be justified by the law, and you've been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And then verse 5, for through the Spirit we eagerly await, uh, we eagerly await by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. Now, there's some deep stuff here that needs to be unpacked. That this group, the Judaizers, that they were preaching a false gospel. They were saying, you can have faith in Jesus. You can believe that God raised him from the dead. But in order to truly be set free, you've got to become like the Jews. So there was nothing wrong with this outward expression of circumcision. In and of itself, that's not a bad thing, except the reason they were doing it is because they thought they could bribe God for blessing. They thought that this would somehow set them apart and earn God's love in a powerful and profound way. And so because of that, their outward acts were worthless. And Paul is taking a few minutes here to admonish them and saying, what you're doing here is you're adding something to the gospel. You're saying the gospel of Jesus Christ is good, but I have to do fill in the blank. That faith in Christ is good, but I also have to whatever it is. And so this was an example, but Paul is, is with a lot of urgency saying, if you allow this to be true, then you're making the gospel about me. You're making what Christ did about you in your work. And man, aren't we in danger of doing that today? Aren't we in danger of adding to the God? I mean, we'd say faith in Christ alone, and thank you for what you did for me on the cross, but now I have to, whatever it is, well, I have to be at church every Sunday. I have to be in a small group. The pastor said it. I have to serve. I have to do this. I have to listen to Christian music on the radio. You know, oh, that stuff's good, man. That's good. But, but, but that's not how we have salvation. It's in faith alone. And so Paul is making a point that is so valid for us today. And it's so relevant for us today. And what I want to do now for the next few minutes, I, I want to break down verse by verse what he is saying here. Again, it's a cultural example that can be confusing to us. But I think there's a lot of power. And so I'm going to use our mirror again today. This series is almost over, and it needs to be because my mirror is very dirty. But that kind of represents me a little bit, like in the mirror, right? Because this is what uh, represents me. 
who I am. And week after week, we, we've been looking into the mirror and talking about the danger of if it's just about me. If it's just about me as I come to the mirror. If this freedom that I so desire, and don't we all want that? Don't we all want to be free? But if it's just about me, man, there's a lot of danger. And so uh, this morning I want to focus uh, for just a few minutes on these aspects uh, of me and, and the danger uh, of the limitations it provides when it comes to our freedom. The first is just, uh, honestly, verse 2 of chapter 5. It's my focus. My focus. We make the gospel about me. And look at what it says. Look at Paul's warning to us in verse 2. When you do this, when you add to the gospel, when you say, I have faith in Christ, but then I have to, whatever it is, that what you are really doing is you are making the focus all about you and Christ has no value to you at all. You have made the gospel me, what I can do, what I have to do, the hoops I have to jump through, the boxes I have to check off, and when you do that, Christ has no value to you at all. That's a dangerous moment. That's a dangerous moment. Putting the focus back on me because it really is all about him, what he did for us, his love for us. The incredible grace that he is. And when we, at any point, instead of allowing it to be about him, we turn the focus towards me and what I have to do. Do you know what we do in that moment? What we've done, we have become a slave again. The chains that we no longer wear, we've willingly gone back to them and picked them up. We've become slaves again. Look at what it says now in verse 3. It's not just about my focus. Paul's now going to talk about this idea of debt. My debt. Not a physical debt, not a financial debt, but a spiritual debt. Uh, specifically, in verse 3, he says this, that when we live that way, when we add to the gospel, we are obligated to the whole law. That language is debtor language. That letter, in, in other words, what Paul is saying, when we live that way, what we're trying to do is we're trying to pay back a debt that's been forgiven. We're trying to, to, because it's such a debt, and look, there is nothing wrong with you and I acknowledging what an incredible debt we've been forgiven. What an incredible debt. But the problem is, the problem with me is when it's my focus, and I put the focus on me, I can be so focused on that that I feel like the free gift of God is a loan that has to be repaid. And when I do that, when I live that way, that is a very dangerous way to live because while it's okay to acknowledge, oh God, thank you. Thank you for the incredible debt, all the sin, all the brokenness you forgave. But when we suddenly come back to the mirror and focus on me, 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 and having to pay back that kind of debt, you know what we do? We become slaves again. That's how we're living. We're not free. <laughs> We're living every day thinking, how can I pay back that debt? How can I be good enough? How can I, be, how can I serve more? How can I be holy enough? Like, that's all we're doing. And you know what we're trying to do? We're trying to earn, uh, pay back a debt that we do not have to pay. When we do that, we just become slaves again. Look at what Paul says now in verse 4. It goes on, it's not just about my focus and my debt. It also becomes about my work, the things that I do. The things that I do, that's how I become free. That's how I, I accomplish this life and hope and purpose that we've been talking about in the past weeks. But the danger here is what Paul's saying is you're trying to be justified by the law. And that's a big churchy, but what that's basically saying is 
You're trying to be in right relationship with God based on what you do. Well, I, I showed up enough, and I dressed the right way, and I said the right things, and I didn't say the wrong things. And I, it's this performance-based spirituality. And Paul's saying, when you do that, you're just making it about your work. And look at what it says in verse 4. When you live that way, you have fallen away from grace. Grace has no value to you anymore. Grace, the extravagant gift of God, the gift of God that we cannot earn, his favor, that when we live and we make it about me, 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 and what I have to do, grace has no value to us. Because we've made it about us. We've made it about what we have to do. We've made it about how we have to justify our faith. And when we live like that, grace has no value and we are a slave again to this kind of life. Finally, verse 5. Verse 5, if you have it open there in your copy of Scripture, can we read it again? Paul's saying some hard words, some challenging words, but then he says this, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. Finally, finally, he wants us to see that the danger here is when we make it about my focus and my debt that I owe and my work, and ultimately, the danger is when we make it about my power. My power. That our freedom, your freedom, your ability to live a life unchained is all about your power. Work hard enough. Try harder. Work at it more. Do more. Come on, come on. Did you read enough about that? Can you study more about that? Can you, it's about my power. And look at what it says in verse 5. This is through the Spirit. That's how it's accomplished. It's His work. His work leading us. My work is chained. My work is slave. That's what it's, when it's about my power. I, I'm not set free anymore. I'm just living... I'm living in slavery masked by religion, masked by morality, masked by I'm a good person and I do good things, but I'm not free. I'm chained to this idea that I have to earn it. And it's my power and my strength. And I'm going to get to heaven one day. You just watch. Whatever that kind of life, man, it's just living in chains. And it is for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And it is by His Spirit, through His Spirit, He began the work, and he continues the work. Look, 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 he did not just send Jesus to the cross to pay the price and then rise again from the dead and say, good luck down there, figure it out. No, 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 he gave us his spirit to walk in us. And, and I wrote this down, this is profound. But we don't have to rely on the external law to keep us in line. Where's my checklist for the day? What do I need to do? What do I need to make sure? I don't want to miss it. I don't want to, I better make sure. That's not what we need to do. Why? Because we have the internal work of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. He will convict us. He will show us. He will guide us if we are in step. Why? Because it's not my power. It's his spirit at work in us. Do you see the kind of freedom? Do you see the difference that that kind of life can mean in us? I have this example from parenting. That's who I am. I'm a parent. We have four kids, and it's a, an incredibly um, blessed, humbling, challenging, I don't know other adjectives I can throw in there, but like, it's a, one of the most beautiful things I get to do every day, and one of the hardest things I do every day is try to be a dad. I'm just going to be honest. And one of the greatest challenges, I mean, I have a lot, so how much time do you have? This could be like a good counseling session for me, but one of the greatest challenges for me as a parent 
One of the greatest temptations for me as a parent is to lose sight of my call as a father, call as a parent to love my kids, to guide them, to help them have direction, to pour into them, to disciple them. I believe that's my call as and to do all those things, but instead of that, I trade all of that in for what I call behavior modification. That I just want to raise kids that act right, do the right thing, check the boxes. And I would never admit out loud that that's what I want. Every time you would ask me, I'd say, no, 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 that's not what I want, man. I want their hearts. And I want them to, I want them to know love. And I want them to, but, but, but oftentimes where I hit the panic button as a parent is when my kid's acting a fool, you know? And in my head, I just fast forward 10 years and picture them doing the same thing and I freak out. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't raise kids like that. I can't have grown adult kids acting this way. They're never going to know how to wash their own laundry and pick up after them. They're not, you know, and I, I just go off the deep end. Why? Because I focus so much as a parent on behavior modification. I'm not saying that how our kids behave isn't important. But I'm saying, man, when it comes to their time when they leave the house, some of you are still waiting for your kids to leave. I understand. They keep coming back. But when it comes to that moment... <laughs> And I know you're never done parenting, okay? I get that. But when it comes to that moment and when I look back on what I did or what I accomplished in their life, I don't want it to be that I just taught them to be a good kid. I taught them to behave. I taught them the boxes they needed to check. I want it to be that I loved them, that I ministered to their heart, that I poured into them. And you know the danger for us as believers is sometimes we make the gospel exactly the same. We make the gospel nothing more than behavior modification. If I'm just a good person, I'm kind, and I care, and I'm loving, and I serve others, and I put their needs before my... And we just make this gospel that we claim to believe about making us good people, kind people. And I, none of that, man, is good to be kind. And I love that, you're, that you have strong morals, and I love that you help others. But that is not what the gospel is all about because when we live that way, when we live that way believing that the gospel is just about modifying our behaviors, do you know what we're really doing? We're living in chains because he came to set us free. He came to set us free from having to depend so much on what I can do and my work and my power. It's not that I want to be a bad person, but it's his work in me, I want to be set free from living that kind of way. Some of us in this room, this is hard for us because of how we were raised and how we're, I, I'm there, right? But I wrote some things on the screen behind me that I think might help you on what this kind of living looks like when we're chained to a life of religion, of rules, of trying to focus on what I can do to earn my salvation, to earn my freedom. This is what it looks like. It starts very simple. I keep the rules. I do enough good things. I am a spiritual person. It moves on to this, that I believe I have the strength to improve every day. I do what I'm told. I measure up to the standards set for me. I am making progress. I don't do some things I used to do, and I'm certainly better off than some around me. Look at their life. Finally, I do good things. I have a good reputation. I wish others were more like me. In fact, if only other groups could be as spiritual as we are. That's what it means, even if it's subtle, even to be chained 
to be chained. And some of us today, we're not walking around in chains of broken sin from a rebellious past. We're not walking around in this rebellious chain wrapped. No, no, no. We're walking around today and we're chained, but we're chained in chains that are masked in religion. They're masked in good things that we do. And there's nothing wrong with doing good things, but the question is, why are we doing them? Are we doing them today because it's really about me? And it's about my need to pay off a debt and my work and my power because when we do that, man, you aren't free at all. You've traded in a life of freedom for being yoked again in slavery. That is not who we are called to be. When you choose the law over grace, you lose every time. Every time. Today, I want to close with what I believe is a powerful question a life-changing question for us. And it's simply this, what has you chained? Some of us today, if we're honest, it is sin. It is the brokenness of our past. It is secret, we don't want anybody to see it. But it has us chained. And we can't walk in freedom because we are shackled. Others in the room, though, maybe it's something else for me, if I were being really honest, the thing that has me chained time and time again, as I look in the mirror of my life, the thing that has me chained? Shame. Shame. You know the difference between guilt and shame? Guilt is actually something that God can use. Now there's false guilt, there's guilt that we shouldn't have in our lives, but there is such thing as guilt that God can use in our life. That I yell at my kids, this is all about my parenting today, isn't it? Right? I do something and later God convicts me of that and I feel guilty. Why? Because I shouldn't have done that. And I have a choice. I can go back and apologize, I can make it right, but I can turn. But then there's this whole other idea of guilt that's false guilt. God has forgiven us, it's in the past, and the enemy of our souls wants to bring it out. So that's all good, but there's one basic difference between guilt and shame. Guilt says this, guilt says I did something bad. Shame says I am bad. Do you see the difference? Guilt says I did something bad, Lord would you forgive me, would you help me? I don't want to do that anymore. But shame says, shame says when I look in the mirror, I am bad, I am unworthy, I am unlovable, I am not enough. And time and time again in my life, the thing that can have me shackled and chained is shame. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I can't do this. I'm, I'm bad. I asked some other people their answer to this question. Just a very open-ended question, what has you chained? One response was this, I say that God can be trusted, but I don't really believe it. Because I only trust him until I feel myself slipping, then it's all about me. Another person, when I asked them what has you changed, simply wrote two words, the waiting. Waiting. Another said dwelling on the past. Another said conforming to what society deems as normal. Another just wrote one word, insecurity. No matter what it is today, it is for freedom that you've been set free. Some of you have been set free and you return again to the chains of your past. Some of you never knew that you could be set free today. You never knew it was possible that the chains you've been lugging around, that there's a God that cares enough that's powerful enough. It's more than you. You can't do it on your own. And today you're saying, man, this is good news. But today, he can break the chains that are holding you. There's more freedom today. 
more freedom than you knew was possible because it's not about you. It's not about how good you are or how hard you work. Man, that's painful. That's beautiful. The band's going to come, and they're going to help us as we conclude our series and conclude our morning with a beautiful song of challenge, a beautiful song of challenge that just reminds us that it's really about him. And I love the line of the song that we're about to sing. It simply says this, I'm not enough unless you come. I am not enough unless you come. I'm not enough. I am not enough unless you show up, God. But if you show up, chains can break. <laughs> chains can fall. I can be set free today. Do you want that? Do you believe that's true? Would you stand now to your feet as the band comes and as they prepare to close us in this song of, really a song of decision, a song of response for us. This morning, if you want to be set free, it's not that hard. Maybe you've been making it way harder than it needs to be. It just simply begins by saying, God, I need you. It's more than me. I'm not enough. I can't do this on my own. God, I need you to show up here because I believe when you show up, all things are possible. All things are possible. With me, God, it's not, it's not pretty. I've seen what I can do, but God, I'm asking you to come now and to break the chains of my past, break the chains of my sin, break the chains of my shame and my brokenness, break the chains of religion the cheap grace that I bought into. I've made your gospel about behavior modification. Lord, forgive me today. Break the chains. Set me free. As you sing, you can sing today as a son, as a daughter who's been set free. You can sing today as a child of God who has more freedom today than you ever knew was possible. Let's lift our voices now. Let's sing. Thanks again for listening today. Email us at info at beaconofhope.org with any questions about our church. We have two gatherings every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and a third gathering at 11.45 in Spanish. We are at 1871 Boyers Road in Rockingham, Virginia, and we would love for you to join us. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.